Welcome to the State of Developer Education, a podcast by Major League Hacking. We explore how technical leaders are creatively tackling the developer education gap to help prepare the next generation of technologists for the real world and build businesses that can adapt to any changes in the technology ecosystem. I'm your host, John Gottfried. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm here with Josh Podoku, uh, lead developer evangelist for Merico and Apache DevLake. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. How are you? Doing very well. I'm excited to have you here. I, I always like to start off and, and get a little bit of background from my guests. So going way back in time to the beginning of your career, tell me about your, your early days as a software engineer. How did you end up on this path? Yeah, thanks for asking and thanks for inviting me here. So, uh, John, look, basically I was uh, a computer science student uh, back then. Uh, in I think I I joined the, the college in 2017. Um, so, so as I was pursuing the computer science, uh, so I was not really into academics. Like I was away from the academics and uh, totally into, yeah. So like totally into, you know, community building, impacting people, helping others. So I was, you know, into mentoring different people, let's say even my friends. So, you know, I I was exploring all the opportunities and everything like that. Uh, but my passion for, you know, becoming a software engineer or getting into computer science was maybe in my during my teenage, you know, um, that's when I really started exploring tech, um, like, you know, finding solutions, uh, you know, which like software has to install stuff, you know, with your family and everybody used to come to me to, if they had any doubts regarding a computer hardware or software, like if they want to install something, download something, you know, they used to come to me because I I knew some stuff uh, as a teenager. And and computers those days in India was like very new, the high-tech computers, right? So then, then I really wanted to get into this field because I'm very well equipped and maybe I can create some impact. So then uh, my professionally i think like unprofessionally i've done so many things uh you know as a college student but uh professionally i think 2020 i was a front-end developer for a startup uh who which was basically uh in the solar energy industry yeah so that was my first experience yeah that's awesome so so you were in that family tech support role i, I had very similar uh experience growing up i got a lot of weird phone calls from like extended family about how to fix their computer um but but you mentioned that you went to school for computer science uh yeah. it sounds like that wasn't necessarily the driving force in your career though like what were you doing outside of tr traditional education to to build your skills yeah not at all a driving force to be honest to make that make that thing clear uh so basically um you know what really helped me was the community, to be honest. One single word which I can explain is basically exploring the communities that helped me to where I am right now. So so then, uh, you know, I, I attended a, a, a tech event. Uh, was It was hosted by Google Developer Groups. I think it's popularly known as DevFest, you know. Um, so that was my first ever event in two, 2017. 
And that's where my eyes got open to the community space. Oh, there's a lot of impact, a lot of things we can learn just by attending one single conference, which I couldn't learn in, you know, um, you know, months of university, right? So I thought like, you know, I'm learning real stuff here rather than, you know, the traditional education, uh, which I cannot rely on. And then I told my parents that, hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm just doing it for the sake of the degree, the qualification. But, you know, they also supported me to choose my own ways to experiment. Uh, and I really appreciate my parents for that. Um, so that's how I ended up exploring communities. And um, on one fine day, like, you know, how I entered into DevRel, right? So uh, I was doing community stuff and I emailed a founder that I want to work for your company because it's based on open source. Um, so how how can I just... Um, you know, be an asset for your company. Like, how can I contribute to your company? And then he took some time. And after a month, I got a response on LinkedIn, I guess. And he said that, hey, there's something called DevRel, uh, which based on your skills, I don't think um, front-end developer can be a good role because my experience was front-end developer. But he saw my soft skills and my nonprofit work, which I did uh, as from the community side of things. And he mentioned that, hey, uh, maybe you can be a good fit for DevRel since you have lots of soft skills and exposure to the community space. So then I got to realize that, okay, whatever I was doing, so it aligns with developer evangelism developer relations or advocacy um and that's how i got to uh you know and enter the career into this field and and which exactly matched my passion uh, and you know helping others to grow uh being uh you know uh someone people can rely on and that's how i learned and i scaled myself that's awesome I made a very similar transition, you know, like I, I went from being a software developer, I was doing PHP coding uh, to yeah. developer relations. Well, one of the things that really struck me is when you're a developer, you know, your work is very quantifiable, right? Like, does yeah. my code work? Did I close yeah. this issue? Did I fix this bug? DevRel and community work is is a little bit fluffier, right? It's harder to actually understand what's going on. Um, yeah. What's been the most challenging part for you of making that switch? So, yeah, I mean, there's no one single challenge, which I can say that that was the most challenging, but I think uh, the switch was not really challenging for me because whatever I was doing uh, or about to do as a devil was I was already experienced in the background. Like I didn't show up professionally, but unprofessionally, I, I did similar kind of things and which made me, uh, made my job um, much easier. Uh, but the challenging part is, uh, you know, most of the companies hire single devil for the first, you know, startups. They don't have a developer evangelism team of like, like five to 10 people. They don't, right? Um, so I was the first one to, be in that company as DevRel. And that was a challenge to, you know, you have to decide your own work, what you should do for the next couple of months. And you should, you know, you are the boss of your work, but at the same time, um, you are the most responsible person of something new, 
that world is seeing after 2020, uh, which is the rise of develop, develop education, right? And that was the most challenging part. But, you know, the how it, you know, how I fixed it is basically there's different devils who helped me outside my company, supported each other. And then uh, those kind of communities, um, you know, really helped me. Uh, Twitter community really helped me. And, you know, uh, lots of people in the community, you know, we help each other. And then that's how things became easier with time. Yeah, so, so that was a good phase uh, for transition and how we started things and made it a little better and better with time. Yeah. How do you know if you're doing a good job in developer relations? That's a critical question, but uh, I don't think there's a straight answer for that. But uh, for me, uh, I think if you are creating positive impact in the community, then you are doing a good job. Like you're getting feedback. Uh, people are willing to join, excited to join your initiatives. And, you know, um, of course, uh, the end of the day, uh, we need to, take care about how many people are joining, how many people are active and, uh, you know, always be communicating to community uh, with the community. Right. Um, so these kind of things uh, actually help us to determine whether we are moving forward or not. Right. Uh, I think that's a, you know, very um, broad answer because I don't think we can measure the work. Um, you know, I don't, think we should measure the work as well um, in DevRel, but you should see the overall impact and see the quality of work. And uh, and uh, this is a long-term impact, right? Uh, if you do something for three months, they always consider, you know, this kind of um, work uh, style. So whatever you do, do it for 100 days. That means almost three months. And then measure the impact. Don't uh, measure that from day one and you know week you see the things uh, end of the week things are not fine don't stop it uh, right. keep doing it until day 100 and then see the long term impact and then you know improve improve the process so that's how I, I follow it and that really helped me yeah 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 so you know you you're talking about impact right you're talking about yeah. something that is very personal for the developers in your community. They're also, I imagine, potentially customers or users down the road, but that's not yeah. you know, DevRel's immediate role. Um, you know, now that you've kind of, uh, you know, shifted your career a bit, right? You're moved from a developer platform to a open source developer platform yeah. very explicitly. Um, what, what are some of the big differences you've seen in, in what you're responsible for? So they, uh, I mean, uh, I've been an open source advocate uh, since 2020. Yeah. I love open source and I love projects to grow. I want to help projects. Uh, and that's why I took that switch uh, again from a developer platform to an open source platform. So, so let me make sure I'm clear, like the open source project we are working is Apache DevLake, um, yep. which is helping... Um, you know, DevOps um, leaders or tech leaders to understand the DevOps processes in a better way. And Apache DevLake provides the solutions uh, for it. So what really, um, you know, what was really different is uh, this was completely into DevOps. And I really 
got interested into DevOps in 2021. Like, you know, I need to understand because the actual engineering of software, software development is one thing and software engineering is one thing, right? And people don't understand the difference. But, you know, when when I got into DevOps, then I understood that this is something, the actual engineering, right? And uh, I would like to advocate and evangelize about this in, in the community. So that's that's the major difference. And, and DevOps is one uh, one side of it and open source is the other big side of it. And in open source, everything is driven by community. Like, you know, community is the fuel uh, for that project to move forward. But in a developer platform, there's a business side of it, more of a business side of it. But in open source, it's, it's more of a community oriented uh, side of it. So I don't handle the business uh, operations or, you know, align my, uh, my work with the business of of the company but i i just want the community to stay active and uh stay you know um fueled up all the time you know that's my responsibility so right. yeah that's the di- biggest difference i can say yeah so, so basically what you're saying is that in this role where you are doing developer relations for a project that's been handed off to a, a foundation right yeah the health of the community is the primary metric and it's somewhat disconnected from the actual business of Merico, right? Like they benefit from it being a healthy project and community and development, but you're not necessarily like generating leads for them. You can say uh, I'm not the source of the leads, right? I'm, I'm my the leads are not completely dependent on this. This is more like a, you know a, a vitamin to entire you know cycle. Like you, it's giving some, uh, you know, some things that pushes forward, right? Yeah. The whole business process. So that's the open core model we follow. So Apache DevLake was the open source project of Merico, and we donated it last November. It's been one year. So this is a one Happy year birthday. celebration of, <laughs> thank you. So this is a one year right now, and uh, we are close to 2000 stars and, um, 300 community members and yeah, like 50 contributors and uh, lots of things um, within the community. So the the uh, leads, uh, you know, the in the open core model, there is an open source version, but if you need more feature, more support, there's an enterprise version. Like if you're earning money and uh, if you have a big company, big use case, then we prefer you know, enterprise model, uh, enterprise uh, software, because it has uh, more value to what the problem is, you know. So that's how the things go on. Um, and the best part of open source uh, uh, version is, you know, you get continuous feedback from the community. And through that feedback, you improve your main product, you know, and also um, make the community, um, you know, when it comes to developer education, people get to learn a lot of things. And because of open source, you're educating the community, you're getting the feedback. There is a two-way benefit. Like people are learning your software and contributing at the same time. And at the same time, you are getting good feedback. People are getting to know you, what you are doing. Uh, it's no marketing. People are truly knowing your software and you get true customers who want to invest in future. So that's how the model works, right? So that's the main difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really powerful model. Like I think 
the fact that it's open source uh, opens up a lot of doors that you don't have with a yeah. traditional developer platform. Like, you know, a lot of developer relations teams need to get people to sign up and use the platform to drive their metrics. But with an open source project, like really people just need to be using it and it needs to be advancing and they need to be engaging yeah. with it. But that is a different like motion for a developer to take than signing up. Um, and it probably yeah. is is stickier in some ways. Exactly. And uh, there are so many benefits, um, you know, being an open source project uh, and whenever you are, especially as a developer and developers are the, I think the most biggest community in the whole world than any other community. <laughs> I, I, I believe so because there are lots of developers, lots of people pursuing uh, software engineering in general in the in this decade, I can say, um, than any, ever before, right? Uh, so um, I feel like open source is one of the best ways to grow as a learner, as a team, and as a company. So it's benefiting everybody in the ecosystem. Why is open source such a powerful learning vehicle? So... Uh, the best part of open source is, you know, if you ask, like if you're stuck anywhere, there's always a community to support you with the answer and the solution. Like, um, you know, if you're learning something and then you're stuck and, you, you know, if you want to install a project, if you ask in the community within like few hours or sometimes within minutes, you know, our community comes and helps them. And I don't think that is possible in any kind of learning ecosystem. Uh, and, you know, if it is paid, that's a different thing uh, because t there people are learning skills, but here they're applying the skills in the real world. Like, and where they're applying is the project, which is going to serve millions, right? And it will also help their portfolio that, hey, I've contributed to this open source project. And, uh, and this project is now 5,000 stars and it is serving these companies. You know, that is more valuable than you building you know something on in your own home and then experimenting yourself right so so many people are watching your contributions and and i feel like that transition is really fast for any developer like learning to becoming a um, valuable person for a project is really quick uh, you know it doesn't take years uh, or even months some people do it in days i've seen that um, so that's the major plus point for uh, for beginners and for learners who wants to get into the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an incredible, like, it's incredibly accessible that you as a brand new developer can come in and look at an entire code base and all of the discussion yeah. around it and all of the changes that have happened over time and engage with yeah. that. Now, that can also be somewhat intimidating, right? Um, I, I know that you've worked on a lot of uh, mentorship programs. Uh, I remember yeah. you mentioned one called the Unpretentious Web that you worked on for a long yeah. time. Um, how do programs that, that foster mentorship, you know, reduce that intimidation factor, right? Like, how do you actually make this more accessible? As you mentioned, the Unpretentious Web was a nonprofit initiative, uh, you know, during the beginning of lockdown in 2020, when we were suddenly called to get back to homes from the hostels where we were living in the college, 
So I was thinking what we should do now. Like, you know, you know, I was just thinking and then suddenly, uh, you know, that thing popped up that I should start something for to make this more accessible because now the remote world is about to start and people are just confused what to do, where to learn. So I thought let's help like 10 people in my network and that's it. That's enough for me. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I think it started with a small LinkedIn post. I posted on LinkedIn about this in 2020 and people were actually interested. And then they joined, it was a WhatsApp group. So honestly, it started with a WhatsApp group and then it expanded, uh, you know, its reach. So, so what you should be doing to make it more accessible is basically voice out your ideas. There would be someone who is looking out there who is hungry to learn or who is hungry to grow. There's always someone. And uh, don't hesitate if, whether it's a small initiative or whether it's not so big, but just do it. You know, there's always a learning. And I I can proudly say that, you know, it was a great learning. I think without unpretentious web, I wouldn't be a devil now, you know, without, I you know, those small things added a lot in the end. And, um, if you see the success of such programs, uh, there was a member in our community. He actually paid his own college fees after joining the community. He learned skills, did freelancing, which he didn't do before joining the community. And I used to do like one-on-one -on -one mentoring, like if they are interested. So my passion, uh, which is you know different from professional thing, yeah. is to help people to find their own passion. Like I also have an Instagram page called the witty mentor. So what I really do is mentor people to, you know, don't follow the crowd, but just follow your own way. And there will be always something that's waiting for you. And I strongly believe in that principle. So I help these guys in the unpretentious web. It was not only just web developer related community. It started like that, but evolved into like, it was for everyone. Yeah. If a developer wants to try out design, just do it and see if it if it is, uh, you know, helping you out. And if you are connecting with that philosophy and the mentality of a designer, right? So this way, like there are lots of people who have got benefited. Like uh, one guy paid his own college fee, and he said that you know, thanks for helping me. And that that's it. We don't need money. We just need that, um, you know, that happy faces that that motivated me to do more for the community. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely love that. Very philosophically aligned to a lot of the work we do at MLH, you know, in our open source yeah. fellowship or even in our hackathons. So I, I'm I'm curious, like, you know, I, I know that you said that this is kind of your your personal passion project, but yeah, how how do you you know incorporate mentorship into your DevRel strategy? Like, why should companies care about helping the next generation? So, um, like, I'll give an example of the Junior Developer Evangelist Program, which we started, and uh, and I'm leading that initiative. Uh, this is a unique initiative, which I don't, I have never seen, uh, like, you know, an evangelist program, like training people to become a developer evangelist is something really new, because there are lots of things that, that are spoken in the community, like, you know, if you want to be a DevRel, you need to become a developer first, work for five years, and then transition into DevRel. I don't think it's true for all, you know, situations, right? Everybody is different. Everybody works differently. 
so why companies should invest in mentorship right uh, so if you like think these programs like an asset i always say like community is an asset like community is the one that will drive the business in future right and that's true for most of the companies even for mlhic like you also have some mentorship programs student programs so why they should invest that number one if you help a student from to transition from a to b right they will remember your name for life right they will remember your company and they will remember that this is the one you will be they'll be testifying about your program they'll be just talking about it whenever the opportunity comes in and this becomes the real uh, marketing right you're not just bluffing up the stuff like you know we have so many features and you just try it out there are real people and real uh, real proof that this worked and these can act as a future asset like in some or the other way and i i think every company has taken this um, you know this kind of a model even microsoft i think microsoft learned student ambassadors and because of that microsoft azure users became like the more and more because they they give some microsoft credits to try out their own products and participate in their own open source initiatives and stuff like that and as a company you're getting the feedback and you're also getting the future users right uh, in the very early stages and um, and that can help the com- company uh, as you know providing such mentorship opportunities developer education has become so important for any organization because that can turn into a bigger asset in future yeah yeah i completely agree i also feel like companies can get meaningful ROI from working with yeah. people more early in their careers, right? Like like what you're talking about is if you impact someone, almost that will like karmically pay itself back. But I also think yeah. that like, regardless of skill level, developers can build products. They can introduce yes. your product into organizations. They That's can true. make real pull requests or commits to your, your open source projects. Like there are all mm-hmm. of these things that I think we often underestimate the ability for early career folks to do, but they they can have a real impact if you you know keep an open mind about uh, where your community is at skills wise. Yeah, so I would like to just uh, you know bring highlight this thing. The what's really important for the developer at the early stages is not the number of years of experience, right? It's about the depth of your work or depth of the knowledge you have in that ecosystem, and it how will it happen right how will that depth come is through early exposure the earlier you get into the ecosystem the more open minded you become at the early stages of your career then your work will become you know automatically impactful and that's how i think you know i like in software industry i don't think there's a grading like a grade level b grade level software developer there's nothing like that because that doesn't exist right because it's all about you know even a even an intern can do a big thing which maybe a senior developer is didn't do at that moment right mm-hmm. it's all about 
at that particular time, what are the problems you're solving? And the best part of developer education is when you allow a beginner to, to understand your project, you get new perspective. You make your software more compatible and more accessible at the same time. Because, you know, I've seen like CTOs and, you know, CEOs are come from, a, you know, a really PhD background and really, you know, they have a geeky mindset, you know, they always think the problem in the hard way, you know, but when, it, you, when you give that same microphone to a beginner, he will try to explain in the easiest way. And, um, you know, there's a saying that, you know, if you want to be a successful developer evangelist, explain something to a five-year-old and you will become a good developer evangelist in future. So, yeah, this is something I wanted to mention. Yeah. That's a great recommendation. If I, if you can explain Apache DevLake to a five-year-old, you've probably yeah. won the developer evangelism game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, uh just to kind of like finish up on, on some recommendations here, uh, what would you recommend to other organizations out there, um, you know, who are thinking about how they want to engage with developers, how they want to educate developers? My recommendation should be like, you know, start an open source program if you didn't have and see, uh, you know, like, Invest in such initiatives. That's the number one recommendation. And it will be a two-way benefit. You are helping someone to grow from one level to another. And at the same time, it is coming back to your company and to your project automatically through the through the value you provided them. And if you you know start these kind of initiatives, um, you might not see the impact in maybe one or two months, but maybe after five months or six months, you will be able to see its uh, reward um, as a company. Because if you are investing something, definitely you would be thinking of the returns, right? Um, like wh why we should, why I should do that? Why I should spend so much time and energy into those initiatives, right? So just do it. And um, these are going to get long-term impact, um, especially for dev platforms and dev-oriented um, ecosystems, this is the best way to drive the community and fuel up the community and make it alive. Because I've seen people complaining that, you know, the community is just dying. You know, that's the that's thing I've seen on Twitter, the community is dying. We don't know what to do. You know, if, if you bring new things, exciting things to the due to developers, uh, it, there's always something a person wants to pursue all the time, right? He wants to grow as an individual. So it's always Im important to bring new things, new quality uh, for the community. Don't stick to the old traditional methods to engage, but always try to think something new and make it more interesting for developers to engage. Um, I think that's the way to succeed. Yeah, I also think it uh, solves an existential like need for open source projects and developer platforms, which is that, you know, they need new people coming in and getting excited about it for them to survive and grow. And, and that's really, yeah. you know, incredibly valuable in the long term. Yeah, exactly.
and, and this is kind of our fun last question I like to close out with, but is there anyone in the tech world that you would most want to take to lunch that you've never met before? Okay. So there's a friend of mine. She's also at uh, DevRel at GitHub, uh, Rizal Scarlett. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. I did a podcast a couple of times with her, um, but I haven't met. But she uh, also comes from a beginner background. And, you know, she did a lot of things for the, um, you know, the for the women community, for the black community in the US. Uh, so I would definitely pick her first before I pick anyone else. Yeah. That's awesome. I actually met her very recently at a conference called All Things Open in uh, Raleigh. Oh, Arizona. yeah, yeah. Um, That's great. Just as cool in person as she is on the internet. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate uh, hearing all of your insights and recommendations. Um, I, I love the work you're doing at Apache DevLake and Merico. And uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to uh, see what you're up to? So you can... Um... Just go to uh, Twitter and just Joshua and Podoku, P-O-D-D-O-K-U. Um, I'll be there. And there's a website of me, uh, Joshua Pod, P-O-D, the podcast pod, uh, dot com. So uh wanted to make it simpler to access. So yeah, the, I'm available here and DM me if you need any kind of guidance or support. Uh, if you're feeling, you know, if if you are stuck in your careers, don't know what to do, just DM me anytime. I'll always happy to help. Yeah. Incredible. Thank you so much, Josh. And uh, happy hacking, everyone. The State of Developer Education is brought to you by Major League Hacking or MLH. To find out more about MLH and how we power innovation, cultivate developer communities, and teach technical skills to students around the world, visit mlh.io. And then make sure to search for developer education in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at MLH, thanks for listening and helping us empower the next generation of technologists. Happy hacking.